Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby, and that is exactly what we are doing today. I am answering your questions. These are submitted questions, and the great thing is every one of these questions today were submitted via our SpeakPipe voicemail number or our local number here in the United States, which again is 516-308-2885. So that means that everybody who asked me a question today is in the running for a free tutoring session. We'll give that away at the end of the podcast because that's that's the deal here, right? If you ask me a question and you use our SpeakPipe link or our local number, again, 516-308-2885 to ask me a question, I will put you in the running for a free one-hour tutoring session where I sit down and we can go through whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby. Now, if you don't have any questions you want to ask for the podcast, you can still book me for a tutoring session by going to scannerschool.com slash ask. Now, if you also have any questions and you don't want to go on the air with them, scannerschool.com slash ask is the best way to do so. Fill out the form and we will answer your questions in an upcoming podcast episode. Now, again, too, you can always get real-time questions and answers over on our Discord server because we have a full community over there who is engaged in conversation and giving feedback and tips and even a show and tell like, hey, I just bought this this week or have you guys ever seen this on your displays? Stuff like that is happening all the time over in our Discord community. And I would like to welcome you and invite you to be a part of of that community by going to scannerschool.com slash discord. So with all of that, I want to remind you that tonight, if you listen to this podcast live, we are live over on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 8 p.m. Eastern United States time. So that's where you'll find me tonight. And again, I'll be answering more questions over there as well. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you'll be getting our extra credit or our extra Q&A session or our roundtable discussion where we talk about anything and everything, sometimes not even related to the scanner radio hobby. It's It really is a great time and a bunch of regulars all show up. And we talk again whether it comes to listening to the radio or weather or even aviation, any type of type radio communication traffic or what we've heard or what we've learned. Sometimes it just goes off on a tangent, but we, we normally spend about an additional hour after that live Q&A session that wraps up over on YouTube and Facebook, and we spend it with everybody who is an extra credit Patreon supporter or above. So if you're not a Patreon supporter, tonight's a, or today's a great day to get on top of that so that you can join us tonight over on our uh, Zoom call. So uh, again, it's $5 US a month to be a part of that. And again, you're helping to support the podcast because it does take about $100 every podcast episode to have it edited and uploaded and sent to you guys. So it really does help me offset the cost. It doesn't pay for the podcast. It helps offset the cost. So let's go ahead right now and jump into our very first question. Hi, Phil. This is Alan Gonzalez. I have a question for you in regards to the scanner SDR software for the Android phones. In the Google Play Store, there's quite a number of SDR software, SDR Touch as well, software that's available. Which one do you recommend for scanning using 
software-defined radio on an Android phone. Thank you. Alan, that's a great question. And I am a Apple user myself. So I have an iPad, an iPhone, an iMac, the regular MacBook Pro, and then, of course, a Windows computer to run all my radio stuff. I have an Android device for work, but unfortunately, it's a work-only device and is locked down to just work stuff. So it has been quite a long, long, long time since I've actually had an Android device for personal use. I think I finally got rid of my last Android device about seven years or so ago. I'll give or take about that. But I have always been curious about what's available for software-defined radios in an Android world because unlike Apple, right, that likes to lock down their infrastructure, Android's been a little bit more flexible with everything. And one of the beauties about using the Android devices is the fact that the USB port is basically open, right? So you can grab, I think they call it the on-the-go or OTG USB cable and connect that to another type of device. And one of those other kinds of devices that you can plug into would be a SDR. And I know a lot of people out there that are using software-defined radios on an Android device. Now, again, we have a SDR discussion over on our Discord server. And in fact, I did post this question over there to see if we had any feedback on what other people were using. And from what I've seen online and what I've heard a lot of good things about is one piece of software that's called SDR Touch. I know that a lot of people have been using SDR Touch to control their software-defined radios. And just looking at the description of SDR Touch, it says it supports the RTL SDR, the NESDR, the SDR Play, and the Hack RF, which is quite a bit of the hardware that is out there. So if you haven't already looked at SDR Touch, I recommend jumping onto the Google Play Store and taking a look at that. Again, I don't really have anything that I've used firsthand, but when I got this question, I really started looking at a cheap Android tablet that I could use to jump back into the Android market and the Android waters and to play around with a SDR on a tablet because that is uh, something I'm I'm definitely missing when it comes to my uh, my SDR experiences here. Something else though that is very interesting is the fact that you can bring in an RF analyzer with an Android device as well. There's actually an app called RF Analyzer, which is basically what it says. And finally, what looks really cool is RDIO scanner. And what uh, RDIO scanner, or I guess radio scanner, what that allows you to do is use a RDIO server and make a playlist basically off of that server. And you can select talk groups that you want to monitor and it will stream to your tablet device. So you must either own a radio server or a publicly accessible server to get that to work. But that's a very interesting way of not taking a software-defined radio with you, but still pulling the basically the the full list of trunked 
conversations that it's grabbing. It's it's like kind of doing like the uh, Broadcastify ingest server, but running it on your own computer and having it stream to your own tablet and then being able to control often on the fly what talk groups you want to enable and disable. And I think this app alone really does have me looking seriously. I mean, seriously, the point where I was on <laughs> I was on Amazon for about an hour looking at different tablets that I could pick up so I could start playing around with this software. So um, this might be the next thing that we talk about really, really shortly here on the podcast. So if anybody's using any software on their Android tablet or Android phone with an SDR, would love to hear your comments on this one. You can leave a comment over on the description below. If you're listening to this over on YouTube, you can leave a comment about this over on our Discord server or even in our website as a comment on this podcast episode by going to scannerschool.com slash session 207. So that's three options for you right there. Again, from somebody that's never used any of the software, to be honest with you, but has an interest in it. And these would be the three pieces of software that I would definitely install first on a device if I had one in front of me right at this moment. So again, to summarize, it would be SDR Touch, which I think would be the very first thing I install. RF Analyzer, just to see what's around me. And then finally, a RDIO scanner that would connect to my RDIO server that I am running at home. So again, I would be able to just say, for example, if I had something monitoring all of the Suffolk County trunk system and I'm able to pick up all the Suffolk County police precincts on that trunk system, I'd be able to filter out basically any one single precinct depending on where I am in the county. Or uh, if I'm traveling out of reception with my tablet, I could always dial back into it and basically lock and unlock or create playlists based on those talk groups that I want to listen to. So Al, that's a very great, great question that you've asked me there. Has definitely had me thinking as the wheels turning and actually has me looking in my pocket to see if I could afford an Android tablet. <laughs> I think you've you've uh, you're causing a problem over here as far as uh, needs versus want. So if anybody has any feedback for Alan, please share that. And then Alan, again, thank you so much for kicking off this month's Ask Scanner School podcast with that question. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. 
I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crowdy, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Floyd Goff, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxton, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Sesh, Randy Cummins, Raymond Hill, Robert, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Terry Weatherford, Tim Mazet, Ted Glegai, and William R. Cand. Okay, our next question or next set of questions comes from Les up in Canada. Les, go ahead with your question. Hi, so it's Les Stevenson's above 774 megahertz. Does that still belong to TV, UHF TV in, in uh, North America, or is that now emergency services? Question two, when you download frequencies from DMR, you get a little bit your radio such as SDS 100 or 200, they'll automatically receive the frequencies once you've got your key in that and it would go in. They automatically start working, or you have to uh, set the frequency into the slots and everything, and colors and everything. It's all done automatically. I'll give you a third question. You're um, sponsoring or liking the uh, Kraken SDR. Now, those SDR antennas that they have that shows the antennas with coax cable, they come with the coax cable come from the antenna to the radio, or do they have to buy coax too? I lost the message you sent out that said that the um, where to um, send for send one for your name on the waiting list. Could you please give that to me again, please? Thanks. Hey, Les, great question. So the Frequency band, although they call it the upper 700 megahertz band, is been auctioned off, right? It's no longer in use for TV. It's all been rearranged with that whole TV thing and, and it's moved out of the area. So all of that range basically is now used for public safety and land mobile radio. So in the North American market, they, uh, that is that is now completely gone. So basically from channel 62, which is from about 758 megahertz, all the way up to 806 megahertz is basically wiped clean. So you've got uh, from channel 62 to 63 and a half, which runs from about channel uh, frequency of 758 to 768 as for first net. And then you've got guard band in there. Then you've got narrow band public safety ranging from about, uh, I don't know, 769 all up to 775. And then you've got a commercial allocation from 775 to 788. And then you've, again, you've got first net again from 788 to 798. And then you've got another guard band in there. And then basically you've got, uh, I guess, from 799 up to uh, 805 and change, you've got narrow band. So that takes you from basically old TV channels 62 all the way up to the end of channel 69 or the start of channel 70. So you're not going to find any TV up there anymore. It's all going to be public safety, trunking systems, P25, commercial systems, and anything new that basically you're going to find that's being lit up as far as public safety and P25, you may find up in that area. So don't forget to set a scanner up there with a, a step size of 6.25 kilohertz. 
and just let the scanner roll. Let it go up there and just every once in a while, just just do a search. Even if it's once a month or once every other week, right? Just just do a quick search of, of that spectrum and see if you could find something new in that area. Because you never know. You might find somebody testing something or a, a system expanding or growing. But uh, generally, we find about these things uh, well in advance of, of finding out that they're alive. You may find frequencies that are being put out there, public safety notices, uh, notices to the public and uh, intent and all that other stuff, that there are systems that are being built and being put into place. But yeah, to answer your first question there, 774 and above, that's all... That's all two-way radio at this point, whether it be commercial broadband or public safety broadband or or just regular P25 networks and, and stuff like that. So the next question you had was, if you uh, got the DMR key for your SDS100 or SDS200, what happens? So you're going to enter in the long string of uh, A to Z and 0 through 9s into your scanner. And that will then unlock the DMR licensing feature on your scanner. What I would do after that, though, is I would make sure that your information is definitely loaded into the scanner correctly. This means giving it one additional load or drop in uh, a sync from Sentinel to your scanner. Because you want to just make sure that everything was loaded correctly, everything was saved to your scanner, everything was pushed in there properly. Right. It's my understanding that, okay, you don't have a license in there. Are you still able to program it or not? Right. You would think you could program it because it's just the scanner reading the actual flat file. It's basically a text file with commas and, and things in certain columns in a certain arrangement that allows the scanner to understand what it is doing. So you, in theory, should have the logical channel numbers set up there correctly, the time slots, the color codes, the talk groups, all set up and ready to go in the scanner for the moment that you unlock the feature in the scanner. But again, it does not hurt one bit that after you unlock that purchase on your scanner to just go ahead and give it one more write just to make sure that everything is in the scanner properly. Finally, your other question about the Kraken SDR. That's a really cool piece of uh, gear that is coming out. Hopefully sooner rather than later, I am backing that project, which basically means I've committed to buy the hardware once it is commercially available. So I've already paid for it. I'm just now waiting for the hardware to be built. We'll put a link for that actually in the uh, session notes for this podcast. So if you're listening to this on the website, you'll see the link down in the in the notes. If you're listening to this over on YouTube, we'll put the description in the description rather the link. Or if you're catching this on your podcast player, there'll be a link for there as well. But the antennas that come with the Kraken, the way I understand it is that the coax is part of the antenna base. The antenna would basically screw onto the mag mount. The coax is part of that mag mount base, and it has the correct connector to plug into or screw into the Kraken module. So for anybody who doesn't understand what the Kraken is, is basically a multi-receiver, SDR-based multi-receiver, and it allows you to do some really interesting things with the uh, diversity that is going to come across multiple different antennas. One of them being the ability to hunt out and find where frequencies are coming from. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to crack in for. I'd like to be able to put in an unknown frequency and just 
hone in on it and see where it's coming from. And the software that's available that I've seen demoed for this, basically you you put the frequency in and it gives you a route to drive to get to the source frequency. So I thought that was really cool that, you know, the more you drive, the more that it realizes what direction the source is coming from and takes you basically right there. So if you're trying to find something new and you can't find it in the radio reference database or on the FCC website or wherever it is, uh, Les, that you guys in Canada grab your frequencies from, then basically you can go out there and hunt them down. And that was what had my interest peaked on the Kraken device. And that's one of the very first things I'm going to do when I grab my hardware is uh, go out there and try and find some of these. Uh, we got a federal system out here that we're trying to figure out where the control channel is coming from. And uh, I'd like to go out with the Kraken and see where if I can find where that's coming from. So again, we'll put a link to that in the description. Great questions, Les. And uh, thanks again for your support when it comes to uh, your Patreon and uh, just being there and being a part of everything else that we do here at Scanner School. Great questions again. And again, thank you so much for asking again. All right, let's go on to our next question of the month. Mason, over to you. Hi, Phil. This is Mason Kramer. My question is about the Pennsylvania Statewide Radio Network, or the uh, PA Starnet P25 system. I currently have multiple sites uh, programmed into my scanner, all the ones that I can listen to, because I have a, a VHF antenna on my roof. So that includes a lot of sites that I can reach out to. The issue is it causes my scanner to um, scan slowly because of all the frequencies and sites that are, that are programmed. Is this the best way to listen to the, this system, or am I able to just program the site that is closest uh, to my scanner? Alrighty, thank you. Hey, Mason, sounds like to me you actually hit the nail on the head with this one. So there's quite a few things that we need to discuss when it comes to P25 trunk systems and the sites. So the first thing we need to think about is the actual term site. When we see the word site, we think of one location, right? One transmitter site. That's the site. No, that's not how things work in a P25 environment or how things are specifically defined on radio reference. A site is basically a single transmitter location or it is a network of linked transmitter locations that all key up at one time that become a site. They become a regional site. They become two or more transmitter locations keying up at the same time. Yes, I'm repeating myself for the sake of hammering it home. Multiple transmitter locations keying up as one gigantic multi-point site, okay? Think about as any town, USA, versus, or my town, USA, and your town, USA, all have towers and a facility capable of transmitting, and they all key up in unison from three different locations, spanning a geographical footprint of, say, 60 miles. That, in radio reference terms, is one site. So when I look at, say, Suffolk County, New York, 
that takes you an hour to drive from the westernmost boundary to the eastern point of Montauk. It could actually take you longer than an hour. That is one site in radio reference called 800 Simulcast. And then there's another site called 700 Simulcast. Now, that's multiple transmitter locations spreading dozens of miles, keying up all at the same time. Okay? There is no way the western point of Suffolk is going to hear anything happening on the eastern point of Suffolk, especially if you're mobile. So with that said, think about these sites you're putting into your scanner and how you're setting them up, okay? Do you need every single site, (laughs) right? Well, what's another way of thinking about this and figuring this one out? So every single talk group on the system will not key up unless either hard-coded by the admin to be on a particular site, or if there are radios affiliated with that talk group registered to that site. So let's look at it this way. I have two sites on my trunk system. Now, again, these sites might have multiple transmitter locations. For the sake of keeping things simple, we're going to talk about this from a point or perspective of two sites, a north and a south site. We have a police department that has units on both the north and the site on patrol, north and the south sites on patrol. I think I said that correctly. When you have that kind of setup, the north transmitter has radios affiliated on it. The south site has radios affiliated on it. This means the talk group will be heard on both the north and the south at the same time. However, you may have small hamlet PD that only covers the North Shore hamlet or North Shore hamlets. And you may have private villa or private closed community that is on the south end of the trunk system. These public safety or patrols or security teams don't leave the hamlet and the private communities that they patrol, meaning the north end hamlet will never go south and the south end, what I call in the south end gated community patrols will never go north. This means you will never hear a north shore talk group on the south shore site and you will never hear the south shore security covering the gated community on the South Shore on the North Shore site. So what does this mean for your scanning and setting up your radio correctly? You need to have a understanding on where the talk groups are for most of the time when you want to listen to them. There would be no need to scan every single site that you can possibly receive on your scanner If you know that every single one of those sites carries the same talk groups that you want to monitor. But if you know that a particular talk group is only on one of those sites, then yes, you would need to make sure that at least that site is also in your scanner. Now, why is this important? This is important because every time your scanner goes to another site, it has to figure out where it is. So it hits the talk group. It realizes what site and system it's on. 
Then it runs through the scan list to see if any of the talk groups in your scan list is on that site that it is physically monitoring. If there are, great, it will monitor. If not, it will run through it and then it will go on to the next site where it then reacquires the signal. Okay, I'm on this control channel. I've got good decode. I can see that it is this WACKIN and it is this RFSS and this hex code and you know all these other things that it does. Then it goes, great, this is the right trunk system to be on. Let me go through my scan list again on these talk groups. All of that slows up, Mason, what you are seeing right on your scanner, exactly what you're seeing. So how do we go through this and figure out, do I shrink my trunk scan list? Well, first of all, if you have three town name, basically, sites on the trunk system, and then one called simulcast, look for the simulcast one. You may have town A, town B, town C, and then south simulcast. That might cover all of these south end locations. These south end locations, called out specifically by name, may just be fill-ins for the small community that can't receive from the larger simulcast due to terrain issues or something like that, Okay. We see that on, on Long Island here too, which is by the way things are, right? On the North Shore, you have some areas that are in bowls, basically, and the RF skips right over them because they're down too far. So that's one of the, and, and they'll build sites specifically for just that little tiny fill in on that area over there. So there's, even though you can hear it, there's no need, right, to, to put those in because the same talk groups are going to end up on the bigger sites anyway. And the way to figure this one out is if you have an SDR and you're running something like DSD Plus or Unitrunker or Trunk SDR, and you can watch the system and see what talk groups are popping up on each site. And you can say, okay, these are all duplicates. These are showing up in different locations. Or if you've got multiple scanners on you, you can park one scanner on one site and then let one go on another site and one go on another site and see if those radios are all picking up the same talk group on different sites. You can start eliminating the sites that you really don't need to monitor because it's redundant, basically, at that point. And this is all part of a scanner radio hobby, right? This is understanding how things work and learning about what you're listening to and discovering what's out there, right? Yes, you're just scanning, but you're doing more than just scanning. You're understanding the hierarchy and the layering and what makes the system tick and, and you get a better understanding of what the magic is that's coming through your scanner radio. So Mason, I wish you luck with cleaning up your scan list. It sounds to me like you might be able to. Let me know if you go through this ex exercise and if you're able to cut down on the sites you're scanning and if it does speed up your scanner radios refresh and scan rate and everything else. So with that, Everybody who is a Patreon supporter at the $3 a month limit will not hear this upcoming quick break. Everybody else, though, will be back after these few messages. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process 
and this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out scannerschool.com slash support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com slash support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your Natcom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection. And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers, I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on beside your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swiss Home and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell POGSAC and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss Home, and Unication dealer serving the North American market, and of course is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For all full inventory, or request a quote, or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. All right, let's go into our next question from Roberto. Roberto, great question. Go ahead with this one. I, I love this question. Hello, Phil. My name is Roberto. My call sign is K4HPD. I just listened to your latest podcast about SDRs. And then I refer back to episode 71 where you talk about DSD+. And I just wanted to get your uh, opinions of what the differences or the advantages are of uh, using DSD+, fast lane, versus using a full-fledged scanner like the SDS-200 or SDS-100. Thanks. All right, Roberto. This one's a good one, and this is something I think we really need to spend some more time with on the podcast. This one, this one's a good one. So, what are the benefits of using DSD Plus Fast Lane over a commercial radio such as the SDS 100 200? Well, first of all, it's the price point. Okay, we can get started with DSD Plus Fast Lane 
let's rule out the cost of hardware as far as how much it costs to actually get a computer. But the SDR, we can get away with for about $30 to $40 minimum, okay? And we really only need one of them to do P25. And then you need the license to do DSD plus Fastlane, which is, I think, $10 a year or $25 a lifetime. So if you want to save for less than $100, you can set up a P25 scanner that will work better than a 996P2 or something like that, right? It works really great in simulcast. It will do DMR, NXDN, right? These are all things we have to pay extra for on an SDS-100 and SDS-200, but we get more. But wait, there's more, right? With your little Billy Mays uh, (laughs) OxyClean thing here. You can log talk groups. You can lock things out. You can add priorities. You can add multiple priorities. Like you can have a whole like, I want police to have a higher priority than fire, but I want fire to have a higher priority than EMS, right? You can you can really start building things up here. You can look at the radio IDs and log them as well and start understanding who is talking on the system and who they're talking to. DSD Plus also allows you to receive conventional stuff, and, and play them back as well when it comes to P25, NXDN, DMR, DPMR, I believe. I think it does Tetra. I got to double check that one. And I think now it also does modes like Yesu Fusion and also D-Star if you're into amateur radio as well with the comes to digital modulations on there. It will take a little bit to set up. right? You're going to get a learning curve. If you've never used DSD+, Plus, you can sit down with the computer and understand how it works and We've got a great free resource for you on that one too over at courses.scannerschool.com. We have a free course on just how to get set up with an SDR and DSD Plus public release. Our paid course will go into how to set up DSD Plus Fastlane and how to do all the fun stuff with Fastlane. Again, you can find both those over at courses.scannerschool.com. But there's some magic that happens with DSD plus fast lane that you cannot get from S- an SDS 100, 200. You get a little bit of like self gratification, like, hey, I put this together, right? I built this. I understand now how things are starting to work. I can see things happening here. Or you can have frustration and it could pull your hair out. And that is an advantage of the SDS 100 or 200. You're buying something off the shelf that just requires you to pop information into and get it to work, right? That's the beauty of the hardware that's already prepackaged and commercially available. It just works. It out of the box just works. Yeah, you'll pay a little bit extra for that. By when I say a little bit extra, it's about six hundred dollars more to get there. Then you add the D, uh, I'm sorry, the, the DMR and the NXDN on top of that. But you've got portability. You've got something that is handheld, has a has a really nice GUI, a nice interface, is packaged up. This is for the people that don't want to sit down and learn how to use a computer basically, right? But again, I've got the SDS-100 and the SDS-200 and I still use DSD+, but I use them all differently also. DSD+, I use to investigate and to understand how things are or what things are happening or to document or to record just to see visually what's going on on the trunk system because I can physically see what's happening with my own two eyes because of DSD+. I can only hear what's happening if I bring in my scanner radio, right? It kind of tears down the fourth wall, so to speak, when you use DSD+. If you have a Windows-based computer and you've got a 
SDR, whether it's a new ELEC or an RTL SDR blog, set up DSD Plus. It's it's worth it. It really is worth it. But again, the SDS 100-200, I think that's worth it too. It, it, they all just have their own different use, right? Like you've got snow tires on your car for the winter. And that's, that's its use in the winter. If you live in areas up north or get a lot of snow, you may take off those snow tires and put winter, uh, driving tires, summer driving tires on, right? Your sports tire or your sports car, do you really want to have that, right, on a sports car? No, but you need snow tires in the winter if that's your everyday driver. So again, right, these things have their benefits. Or do either one work really well where they're supposed to work or they don't work, right? I mean, they'll work, they'll get you by. You, you can't knock either one of them. So if you want to see what's going on and you want to know, right, what the layer messaging is, what talk groups are being denied, what radios are being rejected, what radios are being granted, what what private calls are happening on the system, what talk groups are going across multiple sites, what the site neighbors are, DSD plus fast lanes for you. If you just want to turn something on and listen, the SDS 100, 200 works great for that. So does DSD plus Fastlane, but you're tied to your computer. Play around with it. I really strongly suggest sitting down with DSD plus Fastlane and learning about how things work. You won't be let down, trust me. And it may actually open up Pandora's box a little bit and have you looking at software like Unitrunker or Trunk SDR and see what else you can do with Trunk Radio and an SDS or an SDR rather. Roberto, great question. I think we need to spend a little bit more time on this topic on an upcoming podcast episode. I really, really thank you for that question. All right, we got one more from Tim. Tim, go ahead with your question. Hello, Phil. This is Tim from Seven Hills, Ohio. There's a suburb here in Cleveland, Solon, Ohio, that transmits their P25 traffic onto an analog frequency. It's a simulcast. Uh, why would a city simulcast their digital traffic onto an analog frequency? And is this a, a common practice? Thanks for your answer. All right, Tim, this is a very interesting one. Not knowing what this full story is about what department or agency might be doing this in your area. Though I did go and read a reference, and I think it might be the police department. I don't know how long ago they've, go, they've gone over to P25, but I'll tell you a little story about my local county's police department on their P25 network that was also simulcasting to analog. The funny thing is they were encrypted on their P25 system, but they were in the clear on analog. So here's what happened. The police department decides, yes, we're going to make the move to P25. Yes, we're going to go over there and it's going to be fully encrypted. They go over there, they have problems. They come back over to UHF analog. They flip back, they flip back, they go forward, they go back, right? They're not really fully committed to going over there. The nail in the coffin was basically the UHF hardware started to fail, and the county said once it fails, we're not paying for replacement parts. So then they would start going off the air. But this was one of these deals that the local fire departments were unable to listen to the encrypted transmissions. And I think... I can only assume that the PD kept the analog up 
just to keep the fire chiefs quiet and the commissioners quiet because they were up in arms that, hey, PD's encrypted. We can't monitor them. And PD's solution to that was, well, we'll give you two radios for the firehouse. One will sit with the dispatcher and the other can go to wherever you want to go to a chief or whatever. But it doesn't do any good if just the dispatcher listens, right? The dispatcher is not going to listen to a PD radio if they're actively dispatching a call. And we've had issues out here, unfortunately, where the fire department's EMS were responding to a call and were shot at because there was no way to monitor the PD radio to know they were entering a scene with active gunfire. Scary, but true. So that could be a reason why you're still hearing P25 and analog, but it could be too that they're just not ready to move. They don't feel comfortable enough. Somebody in a high position does not feel that the P25 network is ready for prime time and they want to be able to fall back onto analog if required. That's a possible scenario. Another possible scenario is mutual aid. They need other departments to be able to monitor their, their dispatch frequency to know what is going on, right? Maybe you've got, again, fire departments aren't paying for a P25 radio at thousands of dollars out of pocket per radio. If a cheap analog radio will fit the bill, maybe they're doing it to protect the licensing on their old frequency, right? Once you go silent on an old radio or old frequency, it can then be acquired again by the FCC because it's vacant, it's not being used. You're not using it, you lose it. That's what ends up happening. You give it back. And a lot of these places have frequencies they don't want to lose. Now, looking where you are, it looks like you have, you're have you in the area where you've got the agreement with Canada, and it looks like the police department is on 423 megahertz and not up on UHF, T-band, or just straight old public safety, right, from 450 to 470. You're down in the Fed area of 423 could also be used for fire paging and alerting because not every fire department has paid to have their membership upgraded into, say, the Unication G2, G3, G4, or G5 pager that supports P25 because not every department understands that there are pagers out there that will do that. So they simulcast out their paging on their old fire paging channel so that their volunteers can still be activated for a fire, for a call, for an emergency. These are all multiple different reasons why you would still hear a simulcast from P25 back into analog world. It's mostly done for fire districts and departments, for mutual aids and stuff like that, right? Links into and out of other systems. So that's really nine times out of 10, that's that's what it's used for. But again, there's other options like I just talked about here, right? Frequency protection, not yet ready to make the move, mutual aid, testing. Those are all other options there as well. Great question, Tim. Hope I've answered that one for you. And uh, if you have any questions about this one, definitely let me know. This is something we don't really discuss or think about too often either. All right. So with that, we've had five questions in this month. All of them via our speak pipe or local number at 516-308-2885. And it's now time to pick a winner. 
So what I have done is I've set up a spreadsheet here. Numbered one to five. And in order, we've got Alan. We've got Les. We've got Mason. We've got Roberto and Tim. And I've set up a random number generator here that will cycle through numbers one, two, three, four, and five. And I'm going to hit refresh five times. This way we know that we are getting a valid response out of the spreadsheet to know who's the winner. So with that, let's go ahead and hit the refresh button five times. One, two, three, four, and five. Les Stevenson, you've asked questions, I think, on just about every Ask Scanner School podcast we've had. I don't want to say you've asked it 39 times, but yeah, you have asked quite a bit. So I would like to say congratulations. You are this month's Ask Scanner School winner. Reach out to me directly, please, and I will give you the coupon code that you can use on our tutoring page to get your free tutoring session. So go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. After I give you the, the code, you can pop it in there and you can pick a date and time that will work for the two of us to sit and I'll help you out with whatever it is that you have regarding the scanner radio hobby. For everybody else, I want to say it's been a fun year. I can't believe it's December. We are closing out the year really fast. We are also going to be doing Ham Radio University this year. It's back. It's virtual. And we'll be doing a scanner radio forum. It's a 50-minute forum. So you are more than welcome to join us on the first Saturday of January. And all information we found over at hamradiouniversity.org. If you've found anything worthy of sharing in this podcast episode, please do that. That's how we grow. That's how we make the podcast available to more people, right, is by sharing the podcast. So share the podcast with somebody that you know would benefit from the information that we have shared today. I am hoping that you'll join us tonight over on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And if you haven't been able to reach us live, they're recorded. You can go ahead and you can find us over on YouTube at any time and catch a replay. So with that, I want to say thank you so much for being there and joining us. We will catch you all again next week. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73.